In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So we enter into another election year. Yes, I'm going to blow through two cultural norms in two seconds, mixing politics and religion right off the bat. I'm reminded uh, of a dark horse in the uh, 2015 election cycle, a real political outsider that no one had heard of. Imagine no one in this room had heard of him either. His name was Zoltan. It's his real name. It's his given name. Um, And... He wasn't a member of Star Trek. That was actually his God-given name, or at least his one that he took. And he became a president of the Transhumanist Party. And um, his stated objective, along with his party, they were small but mighty, um, was to become godlike so as to overcome death. So Zoltan spent uh, most of the year driving around in his RV, um, behold it in all its glory, um, that he had converted to look like a portable coffin um, in the immortality bus to spread the message about the transhumanist party. He was hoping, as he wrote, that the immortality bus would become an important symbol about the growing longevity uh, movement around the world, that it would challenge the public's apathetic stance on death Um, and engage people with a provocative, drivable coffin that would sure spur on debate across the United States and hopefully around the world. Oddly enough, um, Zoltan was not alone. Uh, Google, um, many of great prominence, are always trying to find ways um, to somehow cheat death, to extend that a bit further, and to hold on to this idea. Because... I think I'm safe to say that Zoltan's wrong. No one is really apathetic about death. We have a a violent reaction to it. Uh, Maybe we don't take action in that way, uh, but we don't like to talk about it. Um, We don't like to broach the topic. We don't like to engage it at all. And for good reason, because we were not created to die. Death, as you know, in that book of beginnings, Um, is a consequence, a consequence uh, of choices that were made. Um, If you have your Bible with you, we'll be in Genesis 3. You can follow along on the screens. Um, Those words you hear, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, which pretty much secures this is the one church holiday that will never be usurped by modern culture. While Easter may go the way of bunnies and peeps and we're fighting for cultural holidays with Christmas, no one is going to scoop up Ash Wednesday. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It's a reminder, you and I will die. And we're confronted with that in all of its ugliness. And in some sense, as we should be. It should put our teeth on edge because it confronts us with our great enemy. And it reminds us once a year um, and certainly calls us forward of the consequence of choices that were made in the beginning to depart from God's created order and from everything that he had intended. A choice, or more appropriately, a desire um, to not live as stewards over all that God had created and in perfect relationship under him and with everything he had ordered, but rather to be like God, to be God himself. And so our desires, our whims, 
our time, our use of our efforts, chase after so many things because we would rather be Lord of our own lives rather than um, be under uh, the Lordship of God. That is the tug of war that's at work within our flesh each and every day. And so God in his goodness actually um, does not allow us to stay in that place. In fact, scripture kind of just trails off there. Um, in that consequence, for you to dust and to dust you shall return. Um, God, in this kind of revelation in Scripture of what's going on, uh, says, Behold, man has become like one of us, and in so doing, uh, in knowing good and evil, now lest he reach out his hand and also touch the tree of life and live forever. And then the thought trails off. It's unthinkable that God would leave us in that place. And so what does he do in his mercy? He actually puts um, man out from paradise because it's, it's shudderable to think that should we reach our hand out and become um, left forever in that place, emblematic in those images of the trees of the knowledge of good and evil and the knowledge of life or the tree of life. Interestingly, remember back to the original commands, um, <clears throat> God never um, actually commanded that um, the tree of life was off limits, only the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so we see this imagery that this was never part of God's design, but rather in his mercy it becomes such. We see it more poignantly, of course, uh, in Romans, as Paul, quite to the point, says that therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, our first parents, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. That was never part of the plan but it is a product of those choices. And so today we're confronted with that once again. And we're confronted with the fact that actually um, that this is where God sets into motion uh, the rescue plan. And so today doesn't just stand as a reminder of sin itself, nor even just a recognition that yes, this is the way that the world in which we live is, but it's also an invitation an invitation back to life as God purposed. An invitation um, that, as we heard moments ago, comes, again, uh, one of Paul's letters uh, in the second letter to the Corinthians. Of course, that uh, we're implored, the church urges us, as we've heard thus far, each and every year, to return to God. Because the only way back to God is through Jesus Christ. And interestingly, almost ironically, the only way back to God is through death. Death of a different sort than what was the consequence. A death um, that is not intended to be the end, but as Jesus, who was sinless, who knew no sin, became sin so that we might become as he is, as the righteousness of God, um, we are reconciled through death. Death to self. Death to the inordinate desires and, and the inclinations of our hearts, that relentless determination and tug of war in our members that, uh, as we all know, myself included, that we fight against each and every day of whether we're going to let God be Lord or whether we're going to be Lord of our own little kingdoms as we like to try to reign and rule over them. Put more poignantly by a great scholar of our tradition, Shameless plug for Sunday morning. We're going to look at this in the prayer book class at 9 a.m. in more depth. Uh, Thomas Cramner put this so eloquently. What the heart desires, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. So our heart chases after these things. Our will chooses to pursue them. And then 
then we have to justify it because we know that is not how it was meant to be. And so we're always playing this loop. That perhaps could be the loop of Scripture as we see it, even as God's chosen people time and time again uh, pursue after him. Their will chooses something else. Then they try to justify it. God disciplines them. And so that's the reminder in, in the Old Testament in which we're reminded to reflect upon on the other side of the new covenant in Jesus Christ, knowing that we need such a reminder in our own lives as well. We're invited uh, to put to death self, its whims, uh, the things that our heart chases after, um, which in the stillness of our own hearts tonight, we can probably identify what those things are with great ease. I know I can. Those things that um, draw us away from the love of God, those things that stand between me and Jesus and my relationship with him and, and rightly ordering my relationships with others. And so it's only Jesus Christ who can reorder those things, being both fully God and fully man, stepping in to set things right in a way that never could have been done otherwise. So interestingly, the consequence of death is also the only means by which we have life. Life as God is intended, life as God has purposed. And so as we... um, put self to death and its inordinate desires, uh, we find ourselves moving ourselves back under the authority of Jesus and certainly under God's reign and rule in our lives. And after all, that's what this day, Ash Wednesday, confronts us with so brutally in the imposition of ashes and in the reminders therein. And certainly what the season of Lent and um, and all of its uh, changes bring about changes from hallelujahs, changes from flowers, changes from um, festal music, all these things that you step into church over the next 40 days are stripped down to remind us that we should too be stripped down in a time of penitence and fasting as we return with our whole hearts before the living God. That is what Lent is all about. And growth comes as we actively tend to our hearts not the desires that lead us astray, but the heart as we know it is, is kind of the executive seat of our will and our emotions uh, so that we might then follow and reorder our lives uh, as God has intended. So as we do so, we begin first by recognizing that need um, in returning to God. um, And that's where we're going next. We go into a litany of penance in this service that's a rather lengthy set of prayers. It lists off all the things um, that our heart chases after. Um, And and here's my uh, challenge to you. Uh, Maybe you don't want to circle these things, um, but take note of them. There's a few of them, I'm sure, that as we go through, um, prick your conscience as we read them and as we ask for God's grace and forgiving us. As those things catch your conscience, decide that those will be the things you will tend to over the next 40 days, whatever that may be. Um, for example, if it's um, going through and you recognize pride is a stumbling block or bitterness or sexual impurity or self-indulgent ways and appetites. The list goes on and on. Will we take note of those um, and decide that we are going to tackle those desires um, by God's grace at work in our lives over the next 40 days? Lent has always had a custom uh, of giving something up. Uh, And oftentimes we give up things that um, might make us a better person or we might think are things that we should do anyways. I mean, I might need to lose weight, so this is a great time to pick that up. But, But Lent is really not about that. 
Lent is about tackling those things that stand between you and God and dealing with those on your knees and in the ways in which you need to do so so that God may be more at work and so that on the other side of these 40 days, you may draw nearer to him. The call to death is to starve those things out over the next 40 days. So if um, that uh, is, is your ego, then social media may be a really appropriate place to shut down for the next 40 days and to not find ways to tell about what's going on in your life or take photos and selfies or whatever it may be. If it is inordinate uh, desires uh, or or self-indulgent appetites, cutting out wine or those things may indeed be appropriate. If it's sexual impurity, maybe dropping internet time is a great way uh, to tackle the next 40 days. Whatever it is, let those be the steps we take to draw closer to the Lord. Starve them out, let them die, which is not a work of your will, but a work of the Holy Spirit at work as you cooperate with his working in your heart and your life. But let me tell you, that work is not one you do alone. It's a battle, and you need the church, and you need one another. More on that on Sunday uh, in ways that will relaunch small groups in ways that we can be in God's word and, and hold one another to the things that God has called us to do. But doing this, doing these things overcomes death uh, because we put to death those things within us that draw us from the love of God so that indeed we may, on the other side of those 40 days, look more as he is. Because the way of the cross is indeed a cruciform way. A great dear friend of mine, um, brilliant mind, uh, made a visual of this. Uh, And this is the pattern, grainy as it may be, that we're called to walk in. Um, An upward look in worship of God, an outward bar of love of church and love of neighbor, and then the downward section which we focus on in these 40 days and the denial of self. The denial of self is indeed what helps guard your heart towards that end. So that's what we're focusing on these 40 days and finding ways that we may be um, put on the cross, those areas of our hearts and our lives that need reflection, that need to be returned to Jesus so that we don't have those pockets of our hearts that we want to leave untended to over the next um, months ahead. As we do that, it's there in God's presence that eventually death is swallowed up, all is revealed, and all is made right. And so we're called to do that work uh, by his grace at work in us now so that we may indeed enjoy the relationship he's intended a bit more perfectly until it's fully perfected in his presence forevermore. So tonight should leave us on edge. It's intended to. It's intended to confront us with the oddity of ashes being smeared on our foreheads to remind us of the fact that this is not the way God planned it. But God in his goodness didn't leave it that way. Called us to draw us closer to Jesus, to return to him so that we may move from death to life over the next 40 days. And so that on Easter morning, we might enjoy more fully the resurrected life that Jesus has given us to enjoy and embrace as we return more dearly to him. So know that as we embark on this journey tonight, uh, you remain in my prayers as we seek to keep a holy Lent and that my door always remains open to you as you seek to work out your salvation daily before the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.